Good morning, good morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. Oh, so glad to have you guys here. As my dad said, we have a lot of great stuff going on. I'll tell you more about the bike later, but uh, let me tell you about something else that happened. A couple weeks ago, I celebrated my 41st birthday here on a Sunday morning. Some of you were here for that. Uh, it was a good time. My dad cooked. We did all this fun stuff. And afterwards, a bunch of my friends and I went to the beach. Actually, one of my friends went there early, reserved a spot. Remember when all the big waves were coming in? So just hard getting parking, Ala Moana, reserve the spot, set up a volleyball net. One of my favorite things to do is just to play park volleyball with friends and make it good fun, barbecue and all this stuff. But there's something about uh, playing volleyball. I didn't play in high school. I'm not amazing, but I like playing, right? And when we started the games, the first couple games was like kids and stuff. Like, okay, oh, yeah, play. And then someone hits the ball and it falls like right in front of somebody. They're like... Oh, sorry. You're like, it's okay. Get the ball next time. We're going to play. We're going to play. So I'm waiting for the real guys to show up so we can play. Like a couple games into it, finally my friends that, that kind of play a little more volleyball finally show up. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to do it. We're going to have a good game. We start playing. We start playing. Maybe like halfway through that game, I jump up for this block and my back says, you are 41. Sit down. I go, <laughs> my lower back gives out to me. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I waited all day just to play this time, this kind of game, found parking. It was nuts. And now I can't even do what I wanted to do because you know why? A couple of days earlier, I picked up a giant bag of soil to transplant something at home. And when I picked it up, my back said, ah, ah, ah. I said, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Shh, shh, shh. And it was fine. But two days later, I throw my back out on my birthday. So the irony of that is amazing. My body was unprepared for the task at hand. You ever feel like that? You ever feel unprepared for the task at hand? Maybe you threw at your back recently. Maybe it's not really physical, but it's something else. It's the week where everybody's going back to school. For those of you that are going back to school, do you feel prepared for this new school year? If you're sending your kid back to school, we had to buy all the school supplies for my daughter going into kindergarten, and my wife was madly trying to buy everything ahead of time. My wife is the planner. I'm the, when is it due tomorrow? Yeah, we get time, that kind of thing. She's preparing all this stuff. So we're sending Alana to school with all of her supplies. When you feel unprepared for the task at hand, it's an unsettling feeling, especially when it's right in front of you. Maybe you walk into work, you have a meeting going on, you gotta take care of something. Feeling prepared for the task at hand is a really big deal, isn't it? Let alone when it comes to relationships. If you're single or dating, married, whatever it might be, divorced or widowed, being prepared for the season ahead is a really big deal. What about spiritually? How do you prepare spiritually for the task that's at hand in front of you? We're going to talk about our church and how we're preparing ourselves spiritually, but spiritually for what? Is it preparing spiritually? So someone says at a family gathering, uh, hey, you, you go to church yet, can you pray for the food? You go, who, who, me? Like that feeling? You ever have that panic spiritual feeling? Uh, Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, let's eat. Like kind of feeling of what do we do? Maybe someone at work says, hey, you, you, you believe in God. Like, what, how come God doesn't do or ask you a question about faith? Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. When you feel unprepared spiritually. But you know what? It's got to be a little more than that, right? The whole reason that we do church in the first place isn't just to talk about good things or to believe in God or to be a better person. Those are nice things. But what are we preparing for? Why do we do this in the first place? Why do we even do church? It's to prepare ourselves for the things that are in front of us. I don't have to tell you, you already know. It feels like the world that we're living in is getting darker by the day. 
Would you agree? That you see headlines or you read about things happening locally on the mainland. A hundred mile an hour car crash in LA where the BMW Veer or Mercedes goes right into moving traffic. Horrible headlines about this or that happening over there. But when it comes local, it hits even more, doesn't it? Did you hear about the hit and run on the H2 freeway where someone was killed because they were walking early in the morning over there by Kauka Boulevard and the car took off and HPD is looking for the person who killed that person. Did you hear about the one most, uh, more recently about the dialysis center and the purse snatching from there? Did you see that on the news? Oh, this one was like, come on, man. Dialysis center by Target in Salt Lake area. This woman was outside with her 92-year-old mother in a wheelchair. They're waiting for the handy van to come. Surveillance video shows another person coming up, stealing the woman's purse and running into the waiting truck that gets away. This woman waiting by her mom in the wheelchair goes, no, and she runs after the truck, but to no avail. Purse snatching, caught on video. The worst part about it, you can go look it up later on on Hawaii News Now, whatever you watch. The worst part about it is the license plate of the truck that got away, the victim said, the license plate read G-0-D-L-Y. The license plate said godly. Guys, the getaway car's license plate was godly. Come on now. Some of you went like this. We all feel like that, don't we? That's one of multiple stories where it feels like the world gets darker by the day. Where, oh yeah, that's on the mainland, not in Hawaii. Oh, it's in Hawaii. Oh, but it's in, it's in that part of Hawaii, not, not my neighborhood. Oh, it's in, it's in your neighborhood. Oh, no, no, no. It's in those kind of families, not our family. No family's immune. Everybody's got drama. Doesn't it feel like the world that we're living just feels like it's going in a direction where you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we, why, why is this happening? And as I shared that, that uh, purse-snatching story with you, you guys did what I felt. Ugh. And the kids nowadays, or maybe, maybe not nowadays anymore, but back in the day, they would say SMH for shake my head when you go, oh, come on, really? SMH, oh, shake my head, really? Is that really happening nowadays? Yeah, it's happening nowadays. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read about stories like this, I hear about stories like this, I look up to God in my heart, I'm going to go, Come on, man. When are you going to do something about this? Do something about this. Come on. Don't you see what's going on? When are you going to do something about this? And it's almost like the Spirit of God says to us, I did do something about this. I sent my son Jesus to bring life and light and truth. Yeah, but that was like 2,000 years ago. And I sent you. I sent Jesus and now I'm sending you. Just as I sent my son into a dark world, the son Jesus sends us by the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world more than we ever thought that we could. Is the world a bad place? Yes. Are you going to do something about it? Or are you going to sit there and just shake your head? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are not made to sit down and shake our heads at the world going so bad. We're called to actually lift our heads and others around us to the realities of what God is bringing into the world. And who's going to bring it? The pastors. No. We are all going to bring it. We are all going to bring it. You're going to bring it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to bring it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to bring it. You're going to bring it. And if they said that to you, say, you too, you too, you too. We're all in this boat together. Check it out, check it out, check it out. It's hard to make a difference if we're not prepared. 
Going back to my volleyball story, I was unprepared for the task at hand. Do you feel spiritually unprepared for the task at hand? Some of you are going, okay, listen, Pastor, I'm just trying to get through the day, let alone the week, to make a difference in other people's lives when it feels like my life is not that great. I'm just trying to survive. We feel you. We get you. We feel you. Because all of this about making a difference out there starts with what's happening in here, right? All of making a difference out there starts with what's happening in here. And if your life itself isn't changing, how are we going to change what's happening out there? Listen to this. We can't do the things Jesus did unless we're willing to live like Jesus lived. Somebody say amen to that. Wouldn't you agree the world needs a little more Jesus? Would you agree with that? And again, you, you might not even be fully on board with the whole God, church, Jesus thing. You might be like, eh, I don't know, or you didn't grow up in church, or you had a bad experience with church. We, we, get, we got you. We get you. We get you. We're a church. We understand that. <laughs> we get it. But here's what we know is true. Is that if Jesus were here on earth, in person, he would say what he said in the Bible, which is, I'm sending you. Jesus ascends into heaven and says, it's better that I go up to heaven because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my place. And the Holy Spirit is going to fill you with power to do what you couldn't do on your own. Like what, Jesus? Like, like, like turn water into wine, yeah? So that I'd be a cheap date and my bill goes down at the restaurant. Like that would be on Jesus stubborn. No, 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 no. I'm sending you to be more loving than you ever thought you could be. I'm sending you to show grace when you have every right to blast that person back for what they did. I'm sending you to make a difference in the lives of the marginalized, the downtrodden, those that people look over, those that people pick on, spit on, look down upon. I'm sending you to actually show love to them like I would. I'm sending you. We are called here at this church for a reason. I want you to hear this. The reason that this church exists here at Metro Christian Church is not just to hang out somewhere on a Sunday morning. It's not just to do church and be religious. Oh, what a waste of time. Let's not do that. Let's close the doors if that's who we are. You know why this church exists? It's really simple. Our vision is to see people changed by Jesus so that we can live like Jesus. I want you to like write this down, take a, this, take a picture. This is it. This is who we are. This is our vision. This is our mission statement. To change by Jesus, to live like Jesus. That's it. If we're not doing this, we're missing it. So where we exist so that we're changed by Jesus to live like Jesus. Okay, I'll get ready. Ready? Okay. You guys at home watching online, that's who we are. That you're tuning in to be a part of what God is doing. Here's our vision. That our hearts would be changed, transformed by Jesus. That we'd be, be living from the inside out. We wouldn't become more churchy, more nice, more put on the churchy face and smile on Sunday and then just live like whatever's Monday through Saturday. That we would be changed inside. Our desires, our hopes, our dreams, that our passions of who we are the way that we look at the world, that we will be transformed from the inside out, we'll be changed by Jesus so that we can live like Jesus. We're not changed by Jesus so that we can be more churchy people. The world doesn't need more churchy people. The world needs more of Jesus. We'll be changed by Jesus so we can live like Jesus. So the whole idea is that our lives will continue to be transformed by the Spirit of God so that we can put it into action and live like Jesus. Let me break that phrase down. Change by Jesus talks about spiritual growth or spiritual formation. Growing spiritually. Though this church is about two things. When people ask me, hey, how's Metro? I say, oh, it's awesome. Love it. Things are going great. Our preschool is going great. Our ministries are open. We're so excited about it. We're really about two things. 
Formation, being changed by Jesus, and mission, so that we can live like Jesus. Formation and mission. These are the two things that our church is all about. Hence, the bike. I wanted to bring up this bike as an example, as like an object lesson of who we are as a church and why we exist. Just like this bike has two wheels that make it go where it's supposed to go, our church has two things that we're all about. Formation and mission. Without these two wheels, this bike is going nowhere. And without formation and mission, our church is going nowhere. We were not built to be a Sunday breakfast club. We were not built to be something where, oh, we learn how to be nicer, we learn how to be kind, put on a smile, right? We believe in God, amen, God bless you, right? All that kind of stuff. Formation and mission. My friends, we are not a unicycle church. We are not made to ride on one thing and one thing alone. Neither are we a multi-wheel, dually, giant, Chevy, 5,000 model rolling down the street. Nope. We're a bike. We're very simple. I really wanted to get a dirt bike up here and go wop, 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 because the gas is the power of the spirit, but uh, I figured it would be really stink and we couldn't do all the gas smell in here. Bike's going to have to do. Formation and mission. We're not a trike. I can't think of more than two things at the same time. Formation and mission. That's it. I want you to know this church exists, that you are a part of the family, so that your life would continue to be changed by Jesus, formed by him, grown in him, so that you can live like Jesus, do something with it. And that's what it's all about. Okay, let's go home. That's all, we're, that's all we're talking about. No, we got more to talk about. All right. Where do you see formation and mission in the Bible? Open up to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers would love to bring you a Bible. Great news, everyone. We bought new Bibles with bigger words. So now you don't have to read .5 font text and all that kind of stuff. We increase it to .3, so it's a little bit bigger. Keep the Bible, give it away, like all this kind of, keep the Bible, whatever it is. You can give it back if you want, keep it. We said, if we're gonna give anything away, we should give away Bibles, right? I mean, like, booty popcorn in the cafe is nice. Give away Bibles. Like, just give it away. But don't be like this one lady who came and said, oh, you guys give free Bibles. Can I get a case of Bibles to give to my friend? Oh, yeah, Auntie. There's this website called Amazon. You can go buy them, and you can give them away. <laughs> Anyways, but you can keep this one, okay? So, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus calling the disciples. Oh, that's the bigger one, Ross. You're going to like that one. That, that, one's, that one's better. Trust me. <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just been tested in the wilderness by the devil. He gets through the temptations, and now powered by the Holy Spirit, he starts his ministry. The first thing he does after he starts preaching is he calls his first disciples. And his first disciples were fishermen, regular guys, not people from the seminary, not people from the ivory tower, not Bible college theologians, regular dudes. It's like he walks onto the construction site and he goes, hey you guys, and here's what happens. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. 
We're reading out of the New International Version, the NIV. Other versions of the Bible use the phrase, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Ladies, you're included too. Fishers of women, fishers of people. It's almost like Jesus says, Oh, you guys are fishermen. Come, follow me, and I'll teach you how not to just fish for fish, but how to fish for people. It's like I said earlier, if Jesus went to the construction site and said, oh, you guys are carpenters. Come follow me. I'll teach you how to build people up. Oh, you guys work on cars. Okay, come follow me. I'll teach you how to repair people's lives. That's the idea. Check this out now. Formation and mission. Growing in Christ and doing something about it. I want you to see this. Jesus says to them, come follow me. Make a conscious decision to leave your nets down, leave your old life down, and follow Jesus. That is a big decision to make, my friends. Whether you grew up in church or this is all new to you, it's a big decision to leave your old life, your old ways, your old thoughts, your old goals, and to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's a big choice. Why? Because it's hard to follow Jesus when one foot is still stuck in the old life. You know what I mean? Oh, come follow me. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm coming. Come on, let's go. It's a hard choice to make, but so worth it because when you finally say, I'm done, I'm leaving the old life, I'm going to follow Jesus, you start living a life you never thought you could live. Come follow me and I will make you, I will form you into, I will transform you from who you were into who I'm making you to be. I will change you. Oh, so I can like pretend and be more religious. No, 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 no. I can change you from the inside out. I can change your thoughts, your desires, your responses. I can change your level of how quickly you get angry. I can change what your goals are. I can change your heart. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Mission, do something with it. What if Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you better church people? For what? The world don't need more church people. This world needs us to do something. I will make you fishers of men. You see that? Formation and mission. One of many scriptures talking about this basic concept of why do we actually follow God in the first place. Here's what I want you to see. Formation is summed up in one word. Grow. I want you to grow. Formation is grow or come and see. Come see what's going on. Formation has this idea of spiritual formation of like if you go to the gym and you start working out, you start working out, you're growing your muscles. That's the whole idea, but you're growing spiritually, that Christ is formed in you. That's grow. And then mission is summed up in one word, go. Now that you're grown, go. Do something with it. Don't just, don't just build yourself up. Do something. Formation is letting Jesus change us, transform us, make us more like him. After all, we model ourselves after him. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about how we are being formed to be more like Jesus. This is an interesting part of scripture, 2 Corinthians 3. It's going to talk about how our faces are unveiled. So let's give some context. Back in the book of Exodus, Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God. He spends time in God's presence. So much so that his face glows because of God's presence. It's almost like, you know that, uh, that tourist from Nebraska that comes to Hawaii and spends two weeks on Waikiki Beach and the face is bright red like a lobster and like your face glows, you know what I'm talking about? You know like after you get a sunburn and your, your, your skin is so hot, it's radiating heat, you're like, wow. 
Well, Moses' face didn't radiate heat. It radiated glory because he was face to face with God. And because he was in God's presence, he comes on the mountain. The people see his face. They're like, your face is so bright. Like when you turn on the light first thing in the morning. So they tell him, put a veil on your face so we can handle you being around us. Here in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, Paul is going to say, our faces no longer have a veil. We're uncovered. We can see God's glory and how he's changing us. Let's take a look. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being, here it is, transformed into his image. If you have your paper Bible, would you underline that little phrase, transformed into his image? If you have a Bible on your phone, you can highlight that entire scripture and go ahead and save that. We're being transformed into his image. Whose image? His image. To be more like Jesus. That's the goal. The goal of our lives. Let's be more like Jesus. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the idea that our lives are being slowly changed and formed. It's spiritual maturity. It's growth. See, we're not just growing in knowing the Bible, but we're growing in the depth of what God is doing with us. And contrary to popular opinion, with all due respect, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing something, it matters how intensely you've been doing it to grow. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing something, it matters how intensely you've been trying to grow on a continued basis. You know what I mean? For example, um, I started surfing back in high school. That was 20 plus years ago. We would catch the number two bus from Kalihi all the way into Waikiki, drop us off. We'd rent boards at Waikiki for like 10 bucks or whatever they had back then. And we'd surf and just get into it. Slowly, I started getting my own board. Remember my dad got me my own surfboard. It was a big day for me or all this kind of stuff. And then I'd ride whatever kind boards. And you know, I didn't care about dimensions. Six two, six five. I don't care. Just give me a board. Does it float? So I never really got into it seriously. I've been surfing 20 plus years. So one day I paddle out to the North Shore, Ali'i Beach Park. It's not not very big. It's like two to four. So like it's decent, right? And these kids that are like eight years old, maybe younger, kids that are like, like eight years old, maybe younger, we call them groms. These groms are shredding. These kids are coming up and hitting up. Whoop! They're getting two. Oh, they're paddling up. They're dropping in on me and they're, they des- I deserve it because I do not surf like these kids. Compared to them, I'm horrible. I've been surfing so long, but because these, what, homeschool kind kids, they can surf whenever they want, they can do it. I'm like, they're so good. I see these kids shredding. I'm like, I give up. I throw my board, break it in half. I'm done. I don't even want to surf anymore. I'm so embarrassed to be around these kids that are amazing. It doesn't care how long you've been doing something. Is are you trying to grow? When I first became a Christian, I was at New Hope and I was volunteering with facilities set up breakdown. And some of these older uncles, and again, with all due respect, will come to me and go, hey, hey, boy, how long you been one Christian? Oh, like, um, like two years. Oh, I've been Christian like 30 years. Oh, only two years. Oh, that's cute. Right on. I'm like, and what? Bro, I seen you smoking in your car after we took down the tent, and then what? I never said that, but I wanted to say that. You know what I mean? Wait, how long you been a Christian? Oh, two years. Oh, I've been a Christian like 50 years. Yeah, my grandpa was the, the pastor over at the kind of AR church over there and all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, you know, all my pastors, all my family. And all. How long you been a Christian? Oh, two years. Oh, that's, that's nice. AR church. 
It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It matters are you growing in Christ. It matters are you allowing the Spirit of God to speak truth to you where you are that is your life changing because of Jesus? Yes, we go through seasons of spiritual stagnation. Yes, sometimes I open the Bible and go, this is doing nothing for me. Yes, we all go through these seasons. But the question is, are you allowing the Spirit of God to lead you forward? Is your bike still rolling or do you turn it over and say, eh, pow pow? We all go through seasons where the tire feels flat and we need to change the tire and pump it up. But you know what? Until Christ is formed in us. The goal is that when we die one day and we go home to heaven, we say, I gave it all. Like, they, like those football players say in the post-game interviews, I left it all on the field. So waste, yeah? If we die and we said, I could have done more. You know what Galatians 4 says? Paul is writing this letter almost in loving frustration. If you're a parent, you know what this feels like. And he's telling the Galatians, he says this to them, Galatians 4.19, my dear children, spiritual children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Do you hear that word? Until Christ is formed in you. Until your heart is, is transformed. So, um, hey pastor, when am I done? Do I, do I ever graduate? You graduate when you make. Which means, if you're not dead, he's not done. If you're not dead, he's not done. God still is forming us. And whether you are 16, 76, 96, or somewhere in the middle, the Spirit of God wants to transform our hearts to be more like Jesus. Why? Because like we said, the world needs less of me and more of him. Because on my own, man, I'm opinionated, I'm grumpy, I'm selfish, I'm this and I'm that. But with Christ in me, I can do what I never thought I could do. That's the whole point. Is Christ being formed in you? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Formation is the front tire. And the second tire is mission. Mission is trying to be like Jesus. Without mission, the bike goes nowhere. Without mission, the bike just stays where it is. We're not trying to build a church where everybody knows about the Bible and we do nothing with it. Here's the key question. What are the key places, relationships, areas of life where people need to see Jesus? Where you walk out of the room and you go, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> and maybe Jesus is saying to you, I put you in there for a reason. I put you in that office with those people for a reason. I place you in that company. I put you at that school. I put your desk next to that person for a reason. Whew. But I don't like them, Jesus. Jesus said, but I love them. And I sent you to show love. Honestly, Jesus, it's easier to not show love and talk stink because it kind of comes second nature. Well, then you need a new nature. You, you need a new normal. You need, a, you need a heart change because you're seeing them through your frustration and that's all you see. And I want you to see how much I love them. Oh, really? Yes. It's almost like God would say, because that's how I saw you when you were against me. That's how I saw you when you were my enemy. When you were living your life apart from the things of God, that's how I saw you. It's like the Spirit of God would say to us. So mission, mission. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. We were just in the book of Matthew, so if you're thumb was there. We're going to stay in the book of Matthew, by the way. Um, Matthew chapter 5. 
This is the part where Jesus talks about you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Let's dig into this a little bit because mission is what are you doing with it? Now some of you with a churchy background go, missions? Oh yeah, I went to Japan with my youth group, yeah, like back in 2005. Okay, that's nice, that's nice, but it's not just going overseas, it's sometimes it's just going um, uh, over the aisle. Sometimes it's just extending love um, across the office. Sometimes it's just being more gracious and patient with someone that's um, on the other side of the living room because you can't stand them right now because they didn't do what you said you wanted them to do and they said they would do but they didn't do. That kind of idea. You get it? Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way. Let your light shine before others that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's critical that we see that the things that we do translate to someone's glory. Don't be a glory stealer. Don't do good things so people go, oh, you're so nice. I am, aren't I? Oh my gosh, yes I am. Don't be a glory stealer. Do the good works so that people glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, you're so nice. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just, God is so good. That's all you got to say. Oh, what, you religious? Yeah, maybe if you can say it like that, but I just, my God is so good. So whatever you want, to do, uh, uh, mission. Or are you bringing the love of God into places? God is so good. You're like, come church. It could be anything you want to do. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Yeah, God is so good. You're like, come to my house, Bible study. Like, however you want to do it. Maybe that's not your cup of tea. Good, because it's probably a little weird. We're going to talk about how to do it in the next couple of weeks, okay? Pretty soon. Formation. Mission. If you have this wheel, formation with no mission, nothing is moving the bike. The bike stays still. This church, God forbid, this church ever loses the mission wheel because then we just talk about the Bible and we never live it out. We talk about scripture, we never do anything about it. We could find Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 17 and recite it from memory and never live it in the community that we live in. We could hear all about love your neighbor and hate our neighbor. See? Formation of mission is a lot of Bible knowledge, but not a lot of action. Who in the New Testament knew a lot about Scripture, but didn't live it out in heart? Who knew all the rules about the Bible, could recite word for word, but wasn't exercising it in life? It was the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew all about the Bible and all this stuff, but they didn't live it. And Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23 verse 23, the double Jordan scripture. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. Dill. I mean, mint, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, tithing was 10% of what you had. Whether the big stuff, your income, uh, it was an ag agrarian society. It could be your flocks or your fruits in the trees. You give 10%. You give 10% all the way down to your spices. Like you, you, you really follow the letter of the law. But you miss the heart of the law. You neglected justice, mercy, faithfulness. Jesus is telling them, you knew all the right stuff, but you didn't do it. Let that not be said about us. Let it not be said that we know the Bible, that we're Christians, we're religious people, we're churchy people, but we're not loving our people around us. See, 
Formation without mission, if there is no mission, your formation becomes stagnation. If there's no mission, your formation, you're stuck. Your formation becomes stagnation. But then, what if we didn't have the front wheel and the back wheel was here but the front wheel didn't go? Well, we'd be literally spinning our wheels. We'd be doing all this stuff in the community. We'd be pedaling hard. But because we're not growing in Christ, we're an exercise bike. A lot of movement, no growth. A lot of movement, no growth. Oh yeah, this weekend we're going to clean up the lo'i up over here on hoftailing, and then uh, we got an outreach going on. We're going to help the school. And then next week we're going to do a beach cleanup. And then we're going to have this evangelism thing and all this kind of stuff. And I'm serving over here and serving over there with your hands in the air, shake your dairy air, all this kind of stuff going on. But there's no growth. If there's only mission and no growth, we're just spinning our wheels. If you think about it, if we said that there's no mission, your formation becomes stagnation. If you're not being formed, you will miss your mission. If you're not growing in Christ, you're going to be super busy and it's going to make you super tired and super salty in a bad way, not a Matthew 5 kind of way. If you don't grow in Jesus, you're just going to be serving until you drop. And that's not the heart of this church. We want all of us to be growing in Christ, changed by Jesus so that we can live like Jesus. That's the idea. As we talk about this idea that let's roll, if you're not being formed, you miss your mission. Remember the words of John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if you grow, formation, be with Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, really you can't do much. In fact, you can do nothing. For some of us, this is a reality for this moment right now. You're so busy, you've been doing so much, but you just feel like it's not going anywhere. You feel like you've been running in the hamster ball on the treadmill of life, of faith, of spirituality, and nothing is happening. Maybe it's because Jesus wants you to be with him, formation, to spend time with him, to grow, rather than to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, to actually be a Christian. Spend time with Jesus, to grow in him, to get into some spiritual disciplines, to learn how we get past the milk, the surfacey stuff, to the meat, the deeper stuff. And it's more than just, oh, pastor, you can preach on revelation. It's more than that. It's how do we apply the word into our daily lives. I think some of us, we need to consider how formation and mission look rea realistically in our lives. And you know what's cool? Is we see this actually happening with many lives here, but especially in the lives of our middle schoolers and high schoolers. Remember we talked about uh, a youth camp that was coming up. We multi-church, other friends' churches came together. Well, they had an awesome camp. And we saw the Spirit of God move in the lives of a bunch of our middle schoolers and high schoolers here at Metro. What was neat is because there's other churches involved, it wasn't just the people we know, it's more friends. You're going to see this video now of the youth camp itself. And I want you to see, not only are some of our pastors featured in the video and some of our students, I want you to see how Jesus is changing lives, transforming hearts, so that kids can do something about it when they go back to the realities of the world that we live in. Take a look at this. As much as we don't want to be alone, we operate being alone. And the moment you begin to operate alone, you are actually functioning outside of God's design for your life. We were meant to live life with one another. Ka ko, everybody coming together. We are at 
Kumono Farms in Kaneohe, we are having our first Camp Kako. We've been praying for this moment for so many years, and it's the first of many that's going to happen where churches come together. We have five churches from all around the island really pressing in to the junior high and high school population that we've been entrusted with, and we get the honor to serve. Coming here really gives me a relief and a break from everything else that's going on. I am really excited to bond with friends. It's an opportunity to get closer to God. I've just been school stressed, then on my phone, and like this is just a refreshment of no screens, no school, just God and friends. When all the noise goes away and all the things that kids need to do on their day-to-day -day life, they get to come here and have a design time with nature and our Father God. So we're so excited for the kids to know each other and to know God and to really come together this weekend. This week we have tons of fun activities for the kids. So each morning we do something called recreation where the kids just get to go crazy. Played this game where you have to whack balls off of the other team's airsoft helmet. That game was really fun. It needed plenty of teamwork and other teams were cheering for each other. It was a good experience. Honestly, really a great experience and I'm having a great time. I've already made new friends, which is so exciting. The purpose behind all of these games is actually so much more than just for kids to have fun, right? We love fun here. The Lord loves fun too. But our heart behind recreation and activities is honestly just to break down walls that these students have built up, maybe emotionally or spiritually, so that after recreation and activities, we send them back into chapel, right? So that their hearts are softened, the walls have been lowered, and then they just get to hear the good news of the gospel. We had a time of ministry where students could come forward and just wash off anything that they wanted to be washed clean of. And a lot of them just started to prophesy over one another, over leaders. And it wasn't like, a, oh, only leaders could prophesy like or speak life into a student. Like students were praying for one another and really just showing that the Lord is speaking through them. The service for me, I feel like it's really told me to like, just open up in worship because during worship I'm not very open. So I've really like opened up actually seeing, you know, express how I feel and just really talk to God. I feel like God is meeting me here at camp. I have a better relationship with him and I feel it's a feeling I can't describe. Like my relationship before I came to camp was very spotty and confusing, but ever since I came to camp, it's becoming more clear. Before camp, I think something that really needed refreshing was just my whole relationship with God. I felt like I got to a place where I was too comfortable with it, and so then I think that being here, listening to the message and the worship, being connected with others, 
was like a breath of fresh air, being able to not lean on my own understanding, but on God's understanding and His love for me and for others. This is actually my first ever camp, so I'm really excited to have been part of this. And I just kind of think back on all the good memories that I have, but also like the cut deep moments and just the breaking down barriers and walls and just feeling that sense of relief and freedom that I never have really had. It's just, it feels so good. What people want him to do in a lifetime, in one moment they can be touched with the Holy Spirit and see revival in their life, their mind, their hearts and their spirits. So these kids came because they, they wanted to have fun, but the funnest thing they're gonna experience is God healing and God's touch. This camp like brought out the best in me. Like I have never felt more joy, felt more love, felt more welcome than I do when I'm at camp. And I'm gonna look back on just how much this shaped me. Like it's so life-changing being prayed for by girls your age or like by people your age. This is just the highlight of my life so far. <laughs> That team that put that camp together did awesome. We're so grateful for Willie and his youth leaders to make that happen. It's not just a highlight video for kids having fun, all this stuff. I want you to see that Jesus was changing hearts through times like that. And yes, sometimes it's in worship and emotions. Other times it's when the scripture, when you're reading, jumps off the page and goes, this is for you. You're like, wow. And you didn't need the hype of getting away to change your heart. But now do something with it. Now I want you to hear from someone whose life was changed at this camp and the new season that's ahead of him. Would you give a warm Metro welcome uh, to Gabriel Patalesio as he comes to the stage to share his story. Gabe, come on up here. <laughs> Gabe, we're so excited for you. Uh, you're entering a new school year, right? Tell yeah. everybody what grade you're going to be in at what school. Uh, you're good. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to be a freshman this year and I go to the school of Kamehameha. Hey, Kamehameha. Uh, what year are you? What graduation year? Class of 2026. 2026. Here we take a deep breath. Yes, you are old. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, Gabe, you were at this camp. We saw you in the video. Tell us, how did Jesus change your heart at this camp? The way that Jesus changed my heart at camp was that I was just able to experience the love and forgiveness that he has for not just for you, but for everybody. Um, first night at camp was a message about repentance for your sins. One of the scriptures that we went over that night was Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And I feel like that's so true, that um, at the foot of the cross, there is forgiveness for every single one of you, no matter how bad you feel about yourself, whether you failed expectations for people, uh, just know that you're good enough for God. And that I feel like it's so amazing to me that every time that we fall short of just life or our own expectations, 
that we have a God who loves us so much and will forgive us for anything that we've ever done wrong. Yeah, so you experience this forgiveness of God in your life, in your heart. So it's changing your heart to see more of his love for you. Uh, tell us more how now, as you're going to school, how God has changed your heart, how it helps you to see this new school year you're going into. Yeah, so as I'm going to school this next year, I feel like not only I would be able to teach people about Jesus if they're willing to hear from me, but also to just exemplify Christ and Jesus through my life and just to use me as a vessel so that whenever people look at me and like or look at my life I just see just like wow how how do you do it like how are you always so happy always in a good mood just say it's not about me it's about Jesus like going back to what you said Pastor yeah. Brandon yeah yeah that's awesome Gabe Gabe we're so proud of Gabe did an internship here in the summertime yeah you can thank him good awesome job thank you Gabe did an internship here uh, during the summertime and then going to camp. We love that. Uh, you grew up in church, right? You've seen the, the true reality of God in your parents in their lives. And now Jesus is impacting your life. Your life is being changed by Jesus. So now you face a school year, a freshman year of trying to live like Jesus, yeah? I want you to know the whole church family here is super proud of you. We're all behind you. We believe the best in you. And every other student going back to school. And Gabe is special, but he's also not special in the sense that we can all do this. But we're so grateful for you sharing your heart with us, how your life's being changed because of camp and even more so. Would you thank Gabe for sharing with us today? <laughs> Gabe is special. We're proud of him. And his parents, Danny and Ini Patalesio, you guys are just a gem as a part of our church. Guys, life is tough. God is good. And we know that as we are formed, changed by him, he calls us to live like him. We're going to move into a part of our service as we conclude. This is the response period. Now, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we tried this out, and we're going to um, try this for the next month or so about how we end our services. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and we're going to respond to reflection, a reflection time to ask God, uh, just how do we live now because of what we just heard? Then secondly, we're going to respond by giving. And giving, we moved our tithes and offerings to this part of the service because we believe that giving is a response to what God is doing in our lives. So as we do so, the last way that we respond is in worship. So we're going to be worshiping God. We're going to be singing this song called Build My Life. And I'll tell you why real soon. So let's begin our response period. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we thank you that we have a moment that we can be challenged by these two words, formation and mission. And would you help us, God, to be formed by you. To not just be people who are churchy, but rather can actually live out what you're doing in our lives. So Father, I pray that you would help us now to open our hearts, that you might shape us in our obedience to you, in, in our, our softness to what your spirit is saying to us. God, I pray that you would help us to be open to all that you want us to do and to be changed by in, your life, in our lives. So let me ask you a few questions in this moment of reflection. Is your heart open, allowing God to change the way that you view your life? Or the opposite would be, is your heart hardened or set in its ways or determined to not make any changes? Are you open to allowing Jesus to shape you, to transform you from the inside out? The second question is, what is something in your life that God wants you to surrender to him, give to him, because that would be a big part of your transformation. 
It could be obvious things such as vices or addictions or things that are not good for us. Or it could be more subtle things like unforgiveness or a thought pattern or an excuse we always run to for why we're not fulfilling our God-given purpose or potential. And here's the last question. Relating to mission, who does God want you to show his love to? What are the arenas, the venues, the relationships where you can be an example of Jesus' love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, goodness? Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts and lead us in those directions now? Thank you, Lord. We pray, God, that you would help us to not just know but to do. We pray that you would help us not just to do but to know. That we might grow, be formed by you so that we could live like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.